You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Duncan, out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And I'm your other host, Michael Edwards, out of Denver, Colorado. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support to see some ways you can help us out. Mike, you're back on the show, and I think at the beginning right now, um, I should leave it to you, so the floor is yours. Yeah, so I, I missed a couple weeks, and a super huge thanks to Benny and Lars for filling in and uh, taking over co-hosting with you. Um, the reason I was gone is not because I really wanted to be gone, but um, my dad passed away, and that was just kind of a traumatic little thing that happened. And uh, he's uh, he's on the Sunrise Robot Network with us. He was a host of Some Pulp, and uh, he's actually been our, our top sponsor ever since it launched. And that kind of is one way to sum up my dad, is that he's always sort of been... Uh, the good kind of enabler and supporter that, uh, you know, the second we started a podcast network, he pledged immediately. And uh, even though he was on it, and even if he wasn't going to be hosting a podcast, I know he would have still done that. Um, so, yeah, he was traveling to Houston, and uh, I don't need to get into the details, but uh, needless to say, um, after he passed, uh, kind of just took over my life for a couple weeks to go be with family and, and uh, funeral and memorial and all sorts of things. And I'll have something to share from the memorial uh, later in the episode. But that's why I was gone. And uh, some other meta news about uh, bits and pieces is uh, we've been talking about uh, switching to being every other week. And uh, I think uh, th- there's, I wanted to talk about it on the show just because uh, this will give us a chance to gather richer topics and uh, hopefully avoid the news of the week and the, yeah. the very... Uh, you know, oh, did Kanye do something crazy? Let's laugh about it. Um, yeah. Well, it's fun to do. So um, we strive for a little bit more from time to time. And um, then we can really prepare some some new FX plane, maybe. And um, yeah, really nail down a lot of more details than just skimming over a lot of topics. Um, we really want to get in there. Yeah. And that just takes time to prepare. And we don't always have that time. I think it'll also ease up because our our time zones are just kind of like the most annoyingly distanced. (laughs) Like it's either really late or really early for one of us unless, you know, if if I record in the morning, it's not so bad, but I work full time. So that means only weekends and, you know, weekends are for fun and not that podcasting isn't fun, but like, hey, want to give up your Saturday afternoon slash evening when you might want to be hanging out with Lars or going to a show or something. So... Um, yeah, the problem is mostly that I can only really record at home because I don't have a mobile setup. Um, if I could record at last place, things would be different, but I just can't. I can't carry my uh, huge rack size audio <laughs> interface everywhere. <laughs> so I think that'll just ease us up and hopefully we can put a little um, even more heart into every episode to, to make them even more special. Definitely. So let's get into it. What do we have here this week? Well, we're going to start out with some fun. So um, Brian Borchardt of Holy Fuck um, took some chipmunk song from uh, chipmunk songs um, from from one punk themed album or at least uh, general rock music album. And what he did, it, he played them back at not the original speed, but slowed down at 16 speed. So 
What that means is the instrumentals are pitched way down and very slow, but the vocals are now at their original speed. And it sounds amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I know we have a sample. I just want to emphasize before we dive into it, just how grungy the instruments sound. It's, yeah. So it's doom. almost like ahead of its time on like some <laughs> modern genres, just how crunchy and gross, but in a good way. But it also shows how great the compositions of those songs are, that they even work at half speed at, and also pitch down and it still sounds great for some reason. And yeah, yeah the, the harmonies of the vocals so great um let, let's just hear a little little sample of call me so what i want to happen now is um there should be a band now that forms to play those songs at those speeds. <laughs> it like needs to be people that, that sing really high and then it gets pitched yeah. It's a little bit like um, the, the song Wrecking Ball by Death in Rome that Benny shared um, two weeks ago on the show. Um, there should be a band that just covers songs in this way, in the, the reverse <laughs> chipmunk way or the inverse chipmunk way. So in the theme of like hilarious remixes or re-envisionings of things, what's this YouTube harmonizer? So there's this guy on YouTube who takes um, usually like meme videos, videos that have gone viral in some way or another, and he fills them with harmonies um, by, by playing them on guitar, by actually playing them, not those um, auto-tune the news guys, but he actually lays down exact riffs to the rhythm of what they're saying to almost the melody it sounds like what they're saying in those crazy jazzy chords and he also displays the chords on the top left and it also it sounds amazing <laughs> um i don't have a sample cued right up right but i'm gonna play one during editing here all that stuff my way down here at jones big ass truck rental and car storage now, I know y'all got stuff at your house that you don't need no more, you don't want. You know you ain't gonna use that printer. Fuck it all around your house. Bring it down here to my house. You like to do some hassle? You know ain't gonna use that ugly yellow you luggage. So you watched one of them before the show. What did you think of it? Oh, it was tremendous. And uh, <laughs> it's, it is kind of, I know like not every culture is as musical with how they speak, but um, some very much are. And uh, the somehow laying the chords under this guy's talking just reveals how musical his voice is already. And uh, it's just, I don't know, it's almost kind of like uh, that garbled computer sound. Then after you heard the voice, you could hear it. Like, I'm, I'm sure if I listened to this guy talking during this commercial, I would probably hear the music again instead of like, I can no yeah. longer just hear his voice. Yeah. So his channel is full of those videos. So you really check them out there there are some videos in there you might probably have seen already on youtube but not in this way not in this way <laughs> um another interesting thing we found in in the in the past week or two is uh this balanced keyboard and this is a www.balanced-keyboard.com um it's also one of those sites that has an aspx on the end of its files <laughs> i didn't um, even notice that oh my god so uh the the balanced keyboard is a proposed alternative layout of keys that would uh presumably make every you know major chord triad be the same shape 
Um, so they'd be consistent uh, no matter what key you're playing in. And did I get that right? Is that... Yeah. I, and, uh, that's the gist that I got of it. And the, so. the I think the motivation behind this is learning piano is hard. So <laughs> let's let's make it easier. And uh, I, I really wish I, I had access to one of these to really feel what it's like. Not, I mean, I'm probably just broken because I know standard piano now. But um, would it really help a, a, a new person um, work on that? Yeah, maybe. But um, as you said, th there's a way we are used to doing it for hundreds, maybe thousands, not maybe thousands, but hundreds of years. Um, so no, we don't want to change that. Um, I personally really like that every key has a very different feel to it. And I have to think differently if I want to play in that key. And so I go for certain keys. If I if I just want to have something fresh, if I sit down and just like, nah, I have no ideas. Well, let me play something in F minor. I don't really usually play something in F minor. And I have to think differently. And I don't know. I, I You have a guitar where on the guitar it's mostly balanced and um, except for those things where you have to go for the open strings. And um, it works well on there. But as we talked about before, also there you fall into easy patterns that happen all the time. And I feel like I would start to fall into the same patterns everywhere on the keyboard again. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't really like that. And my my complaint to, to the inventor of this is get a launch pad or get an Ableton push, get anything with a matrix where everything is balanced anyway. You set your, your, your key and then those keys light up and... I've n I haven't really tried it yet. Um, I mean, I have a launch pad, but I've never really played in that chromatic scale mode before. But uh, supposedly, you can get some very great ideas because you have to also think very differently about chord shapes. And uh, yeah, maybe I'm going to try that out. But yeah, get a launch pad. Everything's balanced on there anyway. Yeah. So then we've got this video called "The Journey of Jean Michel Jarre" by Native Instruments. Um, I'm pretty sure there is some kind of cooperation going on between the two, but in the video he states <laughs> that he's not being paid by them to say any of the thing that he's saying. Um, I'm, I take that with a grain of salt. But Jean-Michel Jarre, I don't have to introduce Jean-Michel Jarre, um, electronic artist extraordinaire. Um, he talks about um, how his use of synthesizers and electronic instruments in general developed over time and to sum up what what it all came down to me was th this is a very influential person in the world of electronic music and he has got a no bullshit attitude of saying well analog is great and all and and it's what got him started but digital plugins they are so flexible that sometimes really groundbreaking <laughs> because they can do something that you can't do in analog or they're just they can come up with things that you would have to do some crazy workarounds in circuitry and um, the synthesis methods that come out of it, they just completely transformed how he works on music. And so he, over the, over time, um, he still uses some of his old gear, which he's, he's, grown to, he's grown to love, but he's praising Massive everywhere, um, talking about how you can't only, you don't only have to use it for dubstep. And that's true because I use Massive everywhere and I don't do dubstep. Um, but it's just great to hear that out of uh, from the voice of, of some of the most influential artists going like, yeah, analog is great, but digital is also great. You don't have to shout out uh, thousands of dollars just to have that classic Moog filter. Yeah, it's always nice when you see like a, a, a legend that uh, is still has progressive views and isn't kind of stuck in his heyday yeah. or something. And uh, 
also for a 67 year old dude, he's looking pretty good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I just thought I'd bring that up, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Just that uh, he's he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, and he even in one particular instance, he actually compares one of the MOOC synthesizers to one of the yeah emulated MOOC synthesizers. I think by Native Instruments themselves. And he says that it actually sounds better than the real deal. And I mean, if he says it, he who has worked <laughs> with that thing for years, there has to be at least some truth to that. Um, I mean, it always comes a little bit down to taste. Like, is the filter too distorting or, um, I don't know, the feel of, of how you play it? I mean, a lot of it has to do with the feel. Um, I, I can tell you about, I can tell about myself that if a, if a VST, if a plugin that I use, has a shitty UI, but it sounds great. I still feel like it's it's less less quality because it doesn't <laughs> feel good, and maybe it has to do with that also. Um, but yeah, electronic music all the way. Like he he moved a lot of his stuff in the box. Like uh, during the documentary, he talks about how he has this great mixing desk, and then he kind of started using Pro Tools, and then he discovered Ableton Live, which suits his workflow. So now he does everything in Ableton Live. Like he has no problem ditching all that analog stuff just to get his idea across and to get it, uh, get it into shape. And yeah, I really like that. I really like hearing that from somebody who's so influential and um, who people would actually listen to instead of going like, "Oh yeah, every bedroom producer uses Ableton Live. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing special. He doesn't have the real thing in his hands." Uh, right. And yeah, I mean, you could just tell his goal is the art of it and not not. I've chosen the you know I only paint with this weird kind of brush and I've decided that the only proper art comes from this kind of brush like um I don't think most people are that way but people get stuck sometimes just like um with a little shorthand of this is the only way you should do things and it's illegitimate to use that effect or take this approach and uh I th I think you know time just kind of washes that stuff away because you see cool new shit and you're like that's awesome and then everyone shuts up about what counts as real art. <laughs> yeah. So one thing over the years that has been used many many times that's kind of analog as well and has then been pulled into the digital realm and mangled and cut up in all possible ways is the famous Amen break or Amen break. I think it's Amen break, right? Amen. Amen. Okay. It's the Amen break. Um, yeah. You've probably heard this break a thousand times before, and we've, we are linking here to a BBC article with a video where there are just a few famous examples of where it's being played unused and reused. <laughs> Problem with the Amen break always has been that the guy who played the Amen break or the band or the, the general recording troupe behind it, they never saw a penny <laughs> of royalties or licensing fees in any shape or form, although this break has been sampled thousands of times before um i even remember it, it possibly hasn't been the actual amen break but um when i started out playing with uh, music software i used the magic's music maker i don't know if you're familiar with that <laughs> no. and it had a drum and bass plugin and that drum and bass plugin only had something like a, a beatbox maker where it just had a loop of the aim and break. And you could say, at this point, restart. At this point, start from that measure. So you can just cut it up yourself. And then it has the same thing with the bass line. Um, so even in, in that kind of really consumer, uh, not how I consumer, but not pro 
uh, artist targeted software. It had an Amon break in there. It's crazy. It's everywhere. And yeah, they never saw a penny. And then some guy went along and said, hey, let's start a GoFundMe. And uh, like everybody who ever used the Amon break should at least give $1 to the, to this GoFundMe yeah. campaign. So some stats here. Um, so at the end of this article, it says this this Amen break. Amen or Amen. It's actually either way. Um, uh, okay. People say tomato, tomato. Yeah. Um, has been sampled 1,862 times. Far ahead of other popular samples like James Brown's Funky Drummer, which is in 1,100 songs, or Lynn Collins' Think About It. And I actually would need to have someone play me those to remember what those are. But... Um, it might be one of the most popular samples of all time. I think it pretty much is. Um, yeah. Now, interesting to me is that uh, while it's awesome that fans have crowdfunded to uh, yeah. get this guy a check, it's not the people. 25,000 pounds. Yeah. yeah, which is nothing to sneeze at. But, uh, you know, it's not the artist that stole his sample that are paying him. So <laughs> it's like he finally got paid by awesome people that set up a fund for him, but not the people right. that should be paying him. Yeah. And as you said, 24,000 pounds is nothing to sneeze at. But at the same time, in that category of having been sampled so many times, it could have been more. It's one of those cases where even I would say, like, uh, there's so many crazy, huge fees being talked about in music and and, and when it comes to piracy and all that. But... Man, twenty four thousand for for a drum break that spawned a whole genre could be a little bit more, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you probably have to see it that way that he he um, didn't think he would ever see Penny anyway ever. So, well, well then it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> so now we can continue sampling that loop uh, with a clear conscience, <laughs> use it in everything, and don't pay him. Uh, so for our, our uh, last section of topics here in our main rundown, we have uh, music apps, basically, I would I would call this topic. Yeah. And um, you apparently accidentally tested a music <laughs> app. So how did this, how did yeah. you stumble into this store? I was on Amazon. I uh, wanted to get, finally, and I already have one, um, an SSD, a uh, faster hard drive. And it's amazing. Life is amazing with an SSD. <laughs> but before I could get to the article... Um, I had it in my my wish list, so I I, I clicked on that uh, my Prime thingy on Amazon. So I actually wanted to click on my wish list, but I clicked on the my Prime, and it sent me to my Prime Music, and I was like, "What is this? What did I click on here? Oh wait, I've, I'm getting this with Prime. Okay, let's check it out. Um, let's see, what do I have in my library? Do I even have something in my library? And yes, I did. Because let me first start out with the cool thing about Amazon Music. Whatever physical release you buy on Amazon, um, or probably most of them, they have this feature called Auto Rip, which means like um, I've got some vinyls that I purchased from Amazon, or even like ten years ago. The thing that I created an Amazon account for was getting Toxicity by uh, System of a Down, and it's on there. I got this in my library. I can play the MP3s <laughs> now because I bought the CD ten years ago. That is amazing. I think that's cool because I definitely wouldn't have paid again for that. I would have gone like, you already got my money for that CD. So that's in there. And then I click play and it's like, yeah, it streams music. It does the same thing like all the (laughs) others do. Um, Yeah. Toxicity is on Spotify, but yeah, (laughs) nonetheless, that is cool. 
I've never been very interested in Amazon's uh, no. digital media Catalog. offerings. I know they have some like TV shows on their streaming platform that are supposed to be good. Yeah, I, I tried their music app once and it was like, oh, interesting. And then I kind of bailed on it pretty much immediately. Um, I do love Prime, though. I have to say that Prime is amazing. Yeah, the only reason I still keep Prime is because of the delivery things, the the, the um, one day delivery. Um, I don't really use the movie thing anymore, the instant video, because usually what I want to watch, they don't have that anyway. I watched, I, I mean, I completely watched Breaking Bad on that. But other than that, I've only used it for watching uh, Being John Malkovich. Oh, and that's, that's, a good film. that's the end of it. <laughs> I've been using my parents' Netflix ever since. <laughs> So if if Amazon Music kind of gets my, you know, ignored meh comment, um, I do have a, a bone to pick about Google Music. And uh, this only came up recently because I, I use Google Music as my library of my files that I decide I want to keep access to. Spotify is the I'm going to listen to everything anyone else released in the world. But um, Google Music, just because it's free and it's really good at it, um, you know, this was years ago, but I loaded up pretty much all the mp3s i had into it and uh needless to say i have i haven't really looked at it much recently and i finally went back to it because i was revisiting some old songs and uh they really are shoving this radio thing down your throat in the mobile app i don't know how it is on the desktop but um i was just searching for some songs i wrote just some old demos and old tunes and it's like what about these eight radio stations you should check them out and I'm like, I'm searching, even if I click on my library and then search, it's still is auto-suggesting a full screen and more of radio suggestions before I get to my, my library. And this just seems like kind of user hostile, kind of we really want this feature to be your thing. And um, there's no setting to change it. There's no please, no thanks. Um, and so... It's kind of making me rethink if I want to use it as my my online library um, because I know what I want to listen to. This is what I'm using this for, and I don't need other options presented to me reliably every single time, like all those extra scrolls. So I decided to shit all over that today. (laughs) We complain about iTunes all the time, so some other platforms can take a few complaints. Yeah. I want to have to. I want to have a reason to complain about Spotify. It just though it doesn't seem like we're getting paid by them because I'm still <laughs> using it and I'm still happy about it. And my pick of the week still comes from my Discover Weekly playlist. So, <laughs> man, do something. I mean, the UI is still shitty. Okay, I I can always go back to the UI of Spotify being shitty, but. Let's talk about YouTube Music. Real quick, though, I just tried uh, this, the same search on the desktop version, and it shows me my stuff. Well. It shows some random other album, then it shows my stuff, and then it shows the radio stations. And that's a lot closer to what it should be. YouTube music. So how was it using it in Germany? Oh, it's great. I, I saw the little um, emblem on the top of the YouTube page and I was like, oh, there's something new there. Oh, it only has 40 views. Oh, they just launched YouTube music. Let me check my app store. Oh, I'm from Germany, right. Uh, <laughs> You're from not the U.S., so... <laughs> I'm in the gamer region. Um, so in the show notes, we've got a link to to a tweet that I send out afterwards. This is the music, uh, YouTube music in a nutshell, the Germany edition. Also a meme you've probably seen before. But yeah, um, 
there's no way in hell I can use that thing. Uh, no. So I have to rely on secondhand opinions through news articles and through you. So you've checked out in a very deep in, uh, review this thing before the show. So tell me about the app. I launched the app once and I didn't even play any song. So with that in mind, here's my review. It's okay. Um, Does it stream music? Yes. Check. Yeah. Review done. And pair it with YouTube Red and you get no ads and you can use audio in the background and blah, 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 blah. Um, one thing that I find kind of annoying is... Uh, these phones we buy these days are tend to be very big, you know, five plus inches, very tall. And uh, Google in this app decided to put the, the main buttons at the top of the interface. And I know this is uh, normal on Android a lot because there's actually software buttons on the bottom for Android. That's true. And so they, I think they're splitting it up, but this is iOS. So, you know, <laughs> can you put those at the bottom where my thumb is? Um, don't make me two hand or claw my way up my phone. Yeah, usually if if they have buttons at the top, it's more like um, columns that you can swipe left and right. From. I didn't so try that. Let me see if that push works. The button. So um, on, for example, on my Twitter, uh, which is a third works. party app, you can just swipe le left and right, so you don't have to click the buttons. And everything that's really important is on the down right, like a plus button. Tumblr does that also as well. So swiping works, but if I want to search, I gotta climb up. Yeah, okay, that's that's typical for Android, that's true. Yeah, all right. Anyway, I, I'm nitpicking, it's, <laughs> it's probably fine. It's probably all right. I mean, it <laughs> does the same thing as YouTube does, but with audio only, I guess, or just in general, it only shows you music stuff. It doesn't show you any meme stuff, and maybe sometimes that's what you want. The, th the thing is, um, so who's going to use it and what are they going to use it for? Obviously, a lot of people use YouTube for playing music, for listening to music. I sometimes do that. We usually go for YouTube um, if we want to share our picks of the week in the show notes because not everybody's using Spotify. It's just a surefire way to say, if I send you this link, you will be able to play this, probably, unless you're in Germany, then it's like a coin toss. <laughs> um But the thing is, um, there's a Nielsen study about how people discover music and only 7% of people use YouTube to actually discover music in the first place. Usually they just go there to listen to the stuff, of the stuff that they already know. This also means the same thing for the YouTube app. It's not the best discovery vehicle for music because obviously how does YouTube search work? It shows you the things that you're looking for, at least, or it seems that you're looking for. They are in the tags and the tiles and the descriptions. You usually don't enter, play me some metal music in YouTube and get a great playlist of metal music. I mean, of course they exist and that's what they kind of then rely on, but it doesn't have that discovery playlist that Spotify no. does. Um, no, it's, it's always somewhere else that sends me to YouTube. It's Reddit, it's a friend, it's... A reliable source and YouTube natively isn't that great. Right. It's the medium for discovery, but not the source for discovery. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the iOS app store, like searching that is terrible and reading the reviews is not that reliable unless something is completely horrible or perfectly amazing. Um, usually it's another website or a trusted Twitter person that's like, you got to check this out and then you go do it. And then it's a Rickroll. <laughs> Yeah, this Nielsen study is interesting, though, just uh, how radio is still that important. It's uh, about half of uh, the way people discover music is still the radio, according to this report. 
Uh, this is uh, three years ago, so maybe it's changed a little. But by the way, I can't see the actual "Never Gonna Give You Up" Rick Roll video with the millions of views. It's not available <laughs> in Germany. Oh, that's awesome. I don't. I don't know if that's a good thing that I can't be Rick Roll. Or just on principle, I want to be able to be Rick Roll. I can't be Rick Roll. We'll find a way. Yeah. So uh, shall we get to our pick of the week? Let's get to our picks of the week. So you should go first. So my pick of the week is Tilbury with the song Northern Comfort, although the whole album is great. Let me say that right from, right up front. The whole album, it has a lot of folk vibes, but it also has ample amounts of, of lots of electronic stuff. Sometimes it's just little bits in the background. Sometimes it, it really goes into the foreground. It's very laid back and melancholic. The things that you've come to use uh, from having my picks of the week on the show. But it's also full of surprises. Uh, lots of interesting chord changes and key changes. Um, lots of interesting rhythms. But for me, the titular t uh, track, the Northern Comfort, it's just so amazing. I've been listening to it two or three times a day. And I think the reason for that being that, and that's my only complaint about the song, it's too short. I really think it's too short. It just, it's over four minutes. End, it, it should be, it's over four minutes, but at the end you feel like there should be something more in it. What I do really love about it is that it's half time all the way through. And what I mean with that is that the the hi-hats playing eighth notes, but you only get one kick and one snare per measure. And it just grooves so much with the song. And you've got the bass guitar, which has that has a lot of treble in it, like the pick sound. It just punches through the whole mix. So let's have a little bit of Tilbury with Northern Comfort. Just to add, this is an Icelandic band named after a town in somewhere in Great Britain, and they sound so British to me. <laughs> British. I've, I almost feel deceived if, if it wasn't so great. So what did you think of the song? Oh, this song was wonderful. And uh, um, like you described, just lots of, you know, folk vibes, but electronic at the same time. And uh, um, the atmosphere is my favorite part of this tune. And uh They, they kind of get away with, uh, every once in a while in the song, it gets pretty spacey, zappy with its synth sounds, but it, it doesn't um, overdo it. It doesn't take it too far yeah. where you're like, whoa, that's a little <laughs> much. And uh, it always kind of stays where it needs to stay. And um, I yeah, I definitely made it through the whole four minutes and could have done with more, but maybe that's what'll keep you coming back is it's just yeah, not quite true. long enough. And so <laughs> you always want to spin it again. That's true. So for my pick of the week, I wanted to uh, share something I did at my dad's uh, memorial. Before that, I do want to kind of run through our outro stuff. And I'll just, you know, summarize this a little bit. Um, you can check out show notes for this episode at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 42, which is the meaning of life or Jackie Robinson's uh, jersey number. Um And we're on Twitter. You should subscribe. All that stuff is good. But um, what I want to do at the end of this episode is uh, um, we had a memorial service for my dad last week. And uh, 
one of the things I did other, you know, m- me and my siblings all spoke, but we, I, I also performed some music. And, uh, one of the things I did was, uh, the week leading up to it. I, my dad's always been a huge fan of the beach boys and, uh, you know, that's a well-regarded band. You know, they're popular. Everyone kind of acknowledges that they're a huge part of music history. And uh, I decided to play one of his favorite songs, God Only Knows. And uh, this is, you know, a heartbreaking song. It's, it's a, you know, one of the most emotionally powerful songs I've, that's ever been written. It's one of the most beautiful songs that's ever been written. And uh, I had to practice this song the whole week because I needed to be as numb to it as possible if I was going to be able to play it at this memorial and not, you know, completely lose my shit. And so that's what I tried to and, do. I played it probably. on some levels you still lost your shit. Yeah. Um, you, you'll hear my voice and even a few strums that are a little shorter or hit a, hit a muted string or something. Um, but um, I think I held it together mostly. Um, yeah. But um, I just wanted to share my performance. We, you know, we don't have to comment on it. I think it'll just be a nice close to the episode. And, uh, Uh, Since we got a good recording of it, I thought I'd share it. So there we go. I may not always love you As long as there are stars above you So sure about it God only knows what I'd be without you And if you should ever leave me Life would still go on, believe me The world could show nothing to me So what good would living do me God only knows what I'd be without you Still go on, believe me The world could show nothing to me So what good would living do me? God only knows what I'd be without 